This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Rico! Bronia time. And it's not just any Rico Bronia. It's our big off-season plan edition of Rico Bronia. I'll lay out my off-season plan for the Mets. Pete will lay out his off-season plan for the Mets. We've got special dignitaries who have recorded audio clips with their off-season plan for the Mets. And we appreciate all the emails we've received over the last week at the RicoB at gmail.com with everybody's off-season plan. I do admit there are a few repetitive ideas that I think we all have. So, for example, if you go into this Rico Bronia playing the drinking game, that anytime the name Yamamoto is mentioned, you have to take a shot, you may be wasted 15 minutes into the podcast. Because I think everybody wants Yamamoto. So I do warn you, there are some ideas that all of us share. But there are a lot of ideas that we kind of differ on because – There's a lot of ways to build back up this roster. But let's just start with the obvious here, which is the Mets go into this offseason with a very, very high payroll. It's already high. You know, you factor in the idea that Justin Verlander is still being paid by the New York Mets this season. The Mets are going to pay him in 2024 $26.25 million. So it's certainly a savings over what they were going to pay him if they hadn't traded him. But he's making from the Mets $26.5 million. You have to factor that in when looking at the Met payroll. Max Scherzer is making $30.8 million from the New York Mets. Just think about that for a second. The Mets are paying Verlander and Scherzer $56 million in 2024. And I laugh because it's well worth it, right? They were able to rid themselves of Max Scherzer. They were able to add youth and prospects and possibilities in the return that they got. And they do save money on what would be on the payroll if they hadn't traded those guys away. But we do need to keep that in mind because what I think we have to try to do with our offseason plans is keep the payroll, I'd say reasonable, even though last year's payroll was so unreasonable with how high it went. But I guess what I'm trying to say is we can't build a $400 million payroll because I'm taking the leap of faith that Steve Cohen is not going to have a $400 million payroll. So just keep in mind some of the financial commitments they have for 2024, not just Scherzer and Verlander, but they also owe James McCann $8 million in 2024 as well. So before we even get started on some of the guys that are definitely on the roster, some of the guys that may be on the roster, and then obviously all our individual ideas 
on who to bring in. They are spending $64 million on three guys that are not on the roster next year in Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, and James McCann. Now, obviously, the regulars, we know Lindor's here making $34 million, Brandon Nimmo, 20.5, Starling Marte, 20.7, Edwin Diaz, 21.2, Kodai Senga, 15.6, Jose Quintana making $13 million, Jeff McNeil, only making 10.2. Omar Narvaez exercised his option. He's making 7 million. And the Mex exercised the option on Brooks Raley. He's making 6.5. Then you've got the arbitration guys. Now, Pete Alonso is the lockiest of locks, unless they trade him, to be making kind of in that 22, $23 million range. But where they can cut the fat a little bit, and I don't mean any pun on this, or maybe I did, is Daniel Vogelback's ARB number, which is at about two and a half to $3 million. There is no way, no way in good conscience, they could bring Daniel Vogelback back for having no role on this roster and making two and a half million dollars that you can easily save by non-tendering him. Trevor Gott is a non-tender candidate. He's due $2 million. Drew Smith is a non-tender candidate making $2.3 million. Joey Lucchese at $2 million, I would definitely hold on to, but you could save $2 million there. Jeff Brigham, $1.1 million, could save some money there. There's a few options to save money, but the Mets would go into next year without making a move. No move has been made with a payroll that sits at about $270 million. Now think about that. (laughs) So my leap of faith, Pete, is that they will invest money to maybe get that payroll to 330, 340. I think some of us may be a little bit higher, who are already starting with a payroll of a right around $270 million. They can save a little bit of that on some of these non-tender candidates we mentioned. So they come in with a very high payroll, but let's face it, they come in with a lot of holes, a lot of holes. And it's not just the obvious of they've got to add three starting pitchers that we've talked a lot about. And they've got to add two or three reliable bullpen arms. I'll tell you one area that I don't think we've talked enough about going into this offseason. Don't they need to add outfielders? Right now, your sole outfielder that you can rely on is Brandon Nimmo. The only other 40-man roster outfielders, and I'll keep the prospects out of it because I don't think Drew Gilbert's going to be here on opening day. I don't think Luis Angel Lacuna as an outfielder is going to be here on opening day. Jet Williams as an outfielder, he's played a lot of shortstop second base, maybe towards the end of the year. But I'm talking about right at the beginning of the season, none of those guys I mentioned in all likelihood are going to be on the roster. So you're talking about Brandon Immo, Starling Marte, and DJ Stewart. That's it. So outfielders are going to have to be a big part of this agenda as well when building up this roster. You could argue they could use a third baseman. Sure, you can go into the year with a Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio competition, which David Stern surely hinted at, but could they use a third baseman? Yeah, and then the spot that Hoff was yelling about last year, designated hitter right now, without a move, who's the DH for the New York Mets in 2024? Uh, I guess it's Volbeck. No, no. Oh, okay, sorry. (laughs) It can't be. It can't be. DJ Stewart. (laughs) He could be. I think he's a guy you got to keep in mind as a possibility. So I I lay it out this way. They need bullpen help. They need rotation help. 
they have to add an outfielder. They have to add an outfielder, especially because David Stearns gave us a hint at the general manager meetings. And here was the hint he gave us. He said that he's good with a competition. He mentioned specifically Mauricio and Beatty as third base options, not Mark Vientos, who he talked more about as being a stick and a bat and behind those two defensively. And he also said that both Mauricio and Beatty, he views at this moment as infielders and not outfielders. So we've always kept open the idea of Mauricio playing the outfield and even Beatty playing the outfield going into spring training, unless they have a change of heart based on the way this offseason goes, they are not viewing those guys as outfielders. They're viewing them as third baseman or second baseman in the case of Ronnie Mauricio. So all of that in mind as we build our offseason agenda. So I mentioned we have some dignitaries who put together some offseason plans. The producer of the fine Evident Tiki program, Tommy Lugauer, diehard Met fan, he's put together his Met offseason plan. Sal Licata, fine host on the middays with Brandon Tierney and the man who pissed a lot of Met fans off when he proclaimed that the NL East was over in 2022. And then I think he pissed Met fans off again with that whole Pete Alonzo thing. So Met fans, we have a love-hate relationship with the great Sal Licata. But I'll tell you this about Sal, because I've known him for a long time. He's a great fan. He's a diehard fan. So no matter what anger you may have at him, understand that he's one of us. He is one of us. So he has his off-season plan, which we'll take a listen to. Mike Flegelman, who does a great job producing and hosting on WFN, another die, 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 die hard Met fan. He's got an off-season plan, plus a ton of your emails. You know where we should lead this off, Pete? The first off-season plan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Who should we, who should we leave it all? <laughs> I think we should lead it off from Sal Licata himself. All right. Okay. So right. let's see it. Cause I'm curious what Sal has to say. How would he build the New York Mets off season and build this New York Met roster? So ladies and gentlemen, we present to you one half of the midday show on WFAN Sal Martinez, Robinson, Jefferson, Licata. You really want to piss people off right away. Don't you? Is that what it is? <laughs> I figure right. let's lead it off hot. Why not? All right, here he is, Sal Licata. All right, here's what I want for the Mets offseason. Really, it starts and ends with the Oshinobu Yamamoto. It, it's got to be him. I don't like any of the other pitchers out there. Not to say that I wouldn't take a flyer on back end of the rotation, guys. But as far as the top end, guys, Yamamoto is it. So if the Mets don't land Yamamoto, their offseason to me is a bust. So let's start with him. And then, you know, I think they need an impact bat. Now, is it realistic to say Shohei Otani and Yamamoto? Probably not. But I do think the Mets need an impact bat, not one that's like Cody Bellinger. I'm not, to me, that doesn't do enough. If they can't get Otani, then they need to go all in and try to get Juan Soto. And look, I know it sounds nuts, and that's not necessarily how you build a winning team just going to get stars, but this team in particular needs stars. So Yamamoto first and foremost, then you could build the team out from there. 
And if they can't land Otani or can't trade for Soto, eh, maybe there are lesser guys, not Bellinger, not the middle-tier guys. I want lesser guys. You know, I like a Kiermaier, play center field, be defensive, and maybe build the team better that way. Hope to get some more development from the younger guys. The only other free agent, and, and maybe there's a trade out there that, you know, the Mets could go out there and make that I'm not uh, privy to right now. I trust Stearns to do that. But the only other guy free agency that I would like would be David Robertson. Bring him back. So if I'm going just off of free agency this offseason, I'm going to leave out Corbin Burns and things like that because that could happen. But my main focus is in free agency, and it's on Yamamoto. It is on Shohei Otani. And if not either of those two or not both those guys, then I would dial it down a little bit. Kiermaier in center field, David Robertson. I think those are two players with Robertson coming back to a healthier bullpen with Diaz last year. I think that's a guy that will help that bullpen tremendously, lengthen everything out there. And then with Kiermaier in center field, you know you get a true, legit center fielder, move Nimmo to a corner, and even the event that Starling Marte is not the same or hurt or whatever, and you can move McNeil out, or you have McNeil on right, you have Nimmo in one of the corners, McNeil in another if you need to. I'm okay with that with a legitimate defensive center fielder, and then I'd look to make up the offense elsewhere at DH. Hopefully it's Otani and Yamamoto. If not, then they got to figure out a different way to do it. But that would be for me. It would be Yamamoto, Otani, and then I'd ride it out with Pete this year because they're not going to have all three of those guys and maybe move on from Pete at the end of it because obviously Otani would be here long term. But Yamamoto, Otani, or Soto, if not, it's got to be Yamamoto and then lesser guys. But really, it all hinges for me on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. It's funny. Even though I haven't seen Yamamoto pitch, Sal hasn't seen Yamamoto pitch, most people in the emails haven't seen Yamamoto pitch, I think we all have this, boy, they better sign him, feel to him. And I think there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one is not loving the other options, which Sal touched on, and I agree. I don't love the idea of signing Aaron Nola to a mega contract. Like, Aaron Nola's reliable in terms of making starts every five days and giving you the 30, 31, 32 starts a year, but he's also up and down. He could give you a four and a half ERA, and when you're giving a guy almost $200 million, you're expecting a lot more than that. I'm certainly not bullish on Blake Snell either, based on the fact that he walks a million guys, and I think you'd be paying more for his past than what he's actually going to give you in the future. So I think not loving the rest of the starting, the high-end starting pitching market, and then also we just had such a good experience with Kodai Senga. Like sometimes positively and negatively we react to what happened to us. And the fact that Kodai Senga was their most reliable starting pitcher and Yamamoto comes over with a lot more hype and you combine that with the other free agents not being as appealing, I think most of us are going to agree with one of those things Sal said, which is Yamamoto sets the tone for this offseason. That that is, if you add him, and again, we don't know what he's going to be, but he's 25 years old, he's coming off a dominant season in Japan, there's more hype for him than even Kodai Senga. There's this sense of, wow, we've got our future ace now for the next seven or eight years. And it's going to take a big contract. I mean, it's going to take, it appears, a seven-year, $200 million deal, which comes with a lot of risk considering we've never seen the guy pitch. I'm not opposed to the idea, because they have to add an outfielder. There, there's no question they need to add an outfielder. 
that going the defensive route with a Kevin Kiermeyer, who is elite defensively in center, moving Nimmo more to a corner outfield spot where he's probably better off. We saw late last year when he was not 100% healthy. Buck move him over and play a little left field, and he was fine out there. And David Stearns was even asked during the general manager meetings, do you see Nimmo moving over to a corner outfield spot? And he didn't say yes, because Nimmo can still play center field. Despite his defense last year, I thought being a little bit down compared to the previous year, he's still a capable center fielder. But if you need to add an outfielder, and there's a lot of options, and we'll go through them. I have one, a few options for the outfield, not named Kevin Kiermeyer. You could go that defensive route and sign a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer, where you're not really improving the offense, but that's a pretty damn good outfield. The other problem in the outfield the Mets face who the hell knows what you're getting from Starling Marte? There's no way to rely on him based on being unhealthy last year, being ineffective, and even now during the offseason, we don't think he's going to need another groin surgery. You don't think. What if he does? Now, let's go to some of your emails on some offseason plans. Jesse Miller Dillon writes, my offseason plan is one or two-year deals only except for one player. No qualifying offer players. We don't block long-term spots for our prospects, and if this year goes sideways, we can sell them off for prospects at the trade deadline. Trying to make a team that will make the playoffs this year and see what happens that sets us up for the serious contention in 2025, as that's been the message we're getting. For the pitching staff, we're getting one potential star, one upside play, and one lower-tier guy. His upside guy, guess who? Yamamoto. The, or that's the star, I should say. The upside play is Luis Severino, who I've mentioned a lot. And then his lower tier guy is either Kenta Maeda or Hin Jin Ryu. And if you want to do a six-man rotation, Brad Keller could be another option as a kind of lower level guy. Hin Jin Ryu, I just say this off the top, never healthy. Never, ever, 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 ever healthy. Like you get 10 starts out of Hin Jin Ryu, it's a miracle. And he's only getting older. So I'm, I'm editorializing a little bit. I don't love the idea of Hinjin Ryu. For the hitters, we're bringing in some veteran leadership and a left-handed bat. And a guy who's probably trying to reclaim some value and safe to say playing in New York gives him some juice. And one player who New York gives no juice. All right. That's a buildup for the names he's mentioning. Joey Votto as a part-time DH. His bench hitter would be Jesse Winker. <laughs> and then Aaron Hicks as a reserve outfielder. Um, Aaron Hicks and Jesse Wink are fine. They, they need outfielders on this roster, and if you could get guys like that on that tier on a one-year deal, I really don't have an issue with it. I got to be honest with you. I do agree with him that, especially if you're talking about players on the level of a Winker and a Hicks, even to a degree of Jock Peterson, who I wrote down as part of my plan, I want those guys on short-term deals. Now, one-year deal, give me an out. Hopefully, I get a good year out of them, whether it's for a full season, whether it's trading them at the trade deadline, or they just have a great year and help me win. Joey Votto's done. I, I just, I don't know. That's a name value kind of thing. That's a, well, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's a good guy. He's got a great personality. I don't think Joey Votto gives you anything. Uh, he goes on to talk about the bullpen. Here are some of the names he has. David Robertson, Aaron Loop, Matt Moore, Dylan Floro, 
and both McGill and Peterson when healthy become full-time relievers, probably in AAA. I like this one. Sign Whit Merrifield to do what Jeff McNeil does and trade McNeil for the best starting pitching prospect we can get. I'm intrigued by that one because I think McNeil, despite not having a great year last year, I think he's got good trade value just based on the contract, based on the flexibility and the contract. I don't know if you're getting a top-level pitching prospect. I know earlier in the offseason, I floated out the idea of Shane Bieber. It's probably being too asking for too much. It's probably going to cost more to get Bieber even coming off of a down year and in a contract season. But if you do trade a guy like Jeff McNeil, despite Whit Merrifield being 36 years old, he does give you that versatility that McNeil has. He also goes on to say, Mauricio and Beatty compete in spring training for third base. The winner gets it. The loser becomes an outfielder. If Mauricio loses, he can also mix in at second base. By the end of the season, that's probably Luis Angel Acuna's spot. Vientos gets a real run at DH to see if he can do it, not just against left-handed pitching. Lastly, and this is my favorite idea that comes from this gentleman, Jesse Miller Dillon. Lastly, get serious about an extension for Francisco Alvarez right now. And that ain't crazy, man. The Atlanta Braves have made a cottage industry of it, and we're sitting here a year away from Pete Alonso getting to free agency. He floated out a 10-year, $100 million deal for Francisco Alvarez. I, I laugh, but it really isn't crazy. It's $10 million a year. And if Alvarez continues to grow as a player, that turns into a steal. So a lot of good ideas there from Jesse Miller, Dylan. I think he's on the right page of three starting pitchers. I mentioned this when we were doing our starting pitching podcast. I like the idea of the almost sure thing or the star power guy, the high upside guy, and then the reliable innings eater guy. And when I laid it out for the starting pitching podcast, my three guys that fit that were Yamamoto, Luis Severino, and Kyle Gibson. You can go a lot of different ways there. And Severino's going to get a one-year big money deal. It's probably going to be less then that um the the um oh my god i'm having a brain fart the um the qualifying offer thank you no one actually gave it to me i'm thanking myself <laughs> no one's speaking in my head i was i was thinking about it but i didn't know what the hell you were talking about i'm sorry <laughs> qualifying offer there it is Nailed he's it. not he's not getting the qualifying offer i don't think severino's signing for 20 million dollars but i would say one year 15 million one year 14 million kind of in that range Thank you, though, for the email. We appreciate it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash 
the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.